Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So if you listen to what's being said about Georgia right now, including yesterday on the show, he played you some audio of Greg McElroy, ESPN analyst, former Alabama quarterback, making a case on his own show that, hey, Georgia right now is best team in the country. And the evidence around that is actually pretty robust. That if you want to make the case for Georgia being number one, which, by the way, it is in the AP poll, you don't have to look very far to find that evidence, nor do you have to look very far to find a lot of folks who are kind of lining up behind that position. Georgia has very few doubters, very few naysayers right now. And things have a way, once the momentum starts to build, it sort of seems like it must have been always been that way, that everybody has always been aware of just how good Georgia is. But y'all, you don't have to go too far back into the past to find an example when that wasn't quite so true. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, we were calling for Georgia to be moved back to number one. And we were kind of, you know, getting a little edgy about some of the ways in which people seem to kind of line up to doubt Georgia back during the offseason and then this stage of the preseason right before the year began. We were kind of pushing back against some of that kind of stuff because we just thought it seemed a little silly how unified and unanimous everybody was that that Georgia was clearly going to have some sort of problem this year after having won the national championship in 2021. And one of the things that we do, for better or worse, is occasionally we like to save some receipts and we like to bring those out when they – are appropriate well guess what this week right now this is appropriate let's go back and remember here for a moment Keo spikes now listen i like Takeo. i think he was a very good player he's a good friend of our uh he's a good friend of our good friend terrence edwards terrence will be on in a moment but we're gonna pick on Takeo here for a minute because if you want to go back to what was essentially his sec network debut at uh, sec media days in atlanta he came on the air that day and this is a perfect reflection of how all in the not-too-distant past, there was a little bit of doubting of Georgia and a lot of folks saying, hey, maybe Georgia's not going to quite be as good as the very best in the country here this year, and maybe they're primed for an upset. You had Chris Doring saying they're going to lose to Kentucky, and you had Takeo Spikes on TV back in July saying that Georgia is going to lose the game it's about to play on Saturday. Let's let you hear Takeo Spikes from back in July. I am completely sick of the disrespect that they're putting on Spentler's Let's Rattler's go. Back. I'm telling you, and I didn't you. even play quarterback. Tell but let me tell you why, though, because it's so much the element of surprise. We talk about how can a defense prepare for a quarterback that they haven't seen. And that's what Spentler Rattler is going to bring to the table. Defenses can't really say, I know what you do until I get three to four games on the book. When you look at them, they come out and they play Georgia State. Then Arkansas. Of course, of course, Arkansas is going to be hard. But I really got this team upset in Georgia at home oh. in Columbia. Make sure you're close. But I need to have your number. Is there, on speed reason, dial is there too. a reason why you're pointing at me? Well, I mean, you're guilty about affiliation. You want to just, you guys want to, I'm you guys want to settle yeah. this here? I mean, I mean, we could talk about Auburn too. Well, we well like. that's 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 hey. another day. Okay. Also, just so you know, all, all the producers in the truck right now are cutting this tape they're and they're saving it. it. They're putting it on a shelf. <laughs> and believe me, we're going to come back to this conversation <laughs> in this clip. So not only are the SEC network analysts and producers in the truck cutting that up and saving it, we're going to cut that up and save it too. Now listen, as I said before, I'm not mad at Keo Spikes on this. 
this is sort of what TV requires. It sort of requires the hottest take imaginable, and especially if you're kind of the new guy on the block, which Takio kind of is, rookie season as an analyst, then those producers are going to push you to say the most crazy outlandish things possible because obviously you just want interesting content on TV, and that's what Spikes agreed to do when he makes the case for South Carolina beating Georgia. But listen, the Georgia players don't know that, and I hope that Georgia does play this clip. Hey, Here's a guy on TV saying you're going to lose to South Carolina. South Carolina? You're going to have to lose to South Carolina? Spencer Rattler? You know, a lot of the Rattler hype has kind of died down a little bit now. But, boy, it's easy to forget just how much there was of this in the summer. That Rattler was going to be this sort of messianic figure going to South Carolina and resurrecting that program and all the things that were going to happen. Like, after a couple of weeks of the regular season, especially when you don't play great against Georgia State, you don't lead your team to an upset victory at Arkansas – all of a sudden now you kind of sort of settle into just sort of the the landscape of the SEC. But that's not the way it was during the summer. We were told over and over again, oh, Georgia, you better watch out for Spencer Rattler. Georgia, you better be careful of Spencer Rattler, the former Oklahoma quarterback, even though he got benched. The former Oklahoma quarterback is here at South Carolina. You better be careful. You better watch out for all of that. And a guy like Takeo Spikes even taking it to the next level of saying, in fact, I'm going to pick South Carolina to beat Georgia. You know what? Uh, for a Georgia team and like any college football team that needs as much motivation as it can get, I hope they do use that as a little bit of an extra edge. They may have another edge on Saturday, too, and we'll get to that in a moment. But first, you know, if you listen to to Kirby Smart, I mean, I think that he obviously has respect for what Rattler can do at the quarterback position and really what South Carolina from an offensive standpoint can do there as well. And so while some of this for me is kind of fun of, hey, you know, go out there and prove a guy like Takeo Spikes wrong. In Kirby Smart's case, he's saying motivation or not, you just want to go out there and handle your business defensively and sort of do what Georgia's kind of trained to do. And a little earlier this week, Smart did go into some more detail about, you know, kind of specifically the challenge of facing a guy like Rattler, who has had some good moments in his college career and is certainly a talented player, and some South Carolina wideouts even prior to Rattler's arrival that had some success against Georgia last season. Here is uh, Kirby this week kind of talking about what it takes to stop the South Carolina offense that the SEC network analyst says is going to beat George on Saturday. we got some really big wideouts, some challenging guys to cover. Uh, we'll have to play well. Um, there's two, three ways to look at that. You know, the, the, you have to affect the quarterback. It's not just covering people. It's, you know, how do you disguise? Um, how do you rush the passer? How do you affect the quarterback? Um, can you negate big plays and run after catch? They've got some guys that can catch the ball and run with it afterwards. they got some some really good skill players. So um, we're looking forward to the challenge. And uh, they certainly got a tremendous quarterback and um, a tremendous skill set out there on the perimeter to get the ball to. To go into more detail on this, Mark was kind of asked about, okay, what about you know guys like Javon Bullard, who we've seen in a bigger role this year, and some of the – secondary players that you might be playing that are still a little bit untested as South Carolina maybe tries to work over the middle of the field or some of the green grass you might find at williams Bryce Stadium there on Saturday and Smart going into more detail about the defensive approach says that he doesn't really think about things kind of in that way. Here's more of Kirby in terms of stopping South Carolina on Saturday. Pressure all over the field when you got to play one-on-one. I don't look at it as you know the middle of the field or the outside part of the field. Uh, you know it's some of that's based on coverage and uh you know, they, they can target anywhere they want to target. Uh, they've got good playmakers all around. They spread the ball around. They spread the field around. And then when you do all that, you know, it, it makes it tough to occupy the quarterback because he's a good athlete. So the space game um, makes it hard uh, because they spread you out and they've got an athlete that can run around with it. So um, we'll have to play well. We'll have to cover well. We'll have to affect the quarterback well. And uh, we got to play as a, a unit on defense. 
I sort of picture, you know, the the week of preparation for a game like this. And speaking as a Georgia fan here for a moment, I, I kind of like that mindset from my coach where he's about precise language and he's about game plan and he's about X's and O's. He's about the 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 tactical approach to dealing with an opponent like South Carolina and a quarterback like Spencer Rattler. But as I said before, and I'm only half kidding when I say this, you know, I do hope Georgia has that little bit of extra edge about it on Saturday. And if the idea that an SEC network analyst says that South Carolina back in the summer was going to beat you, I don't think we should let Takeo Spikes off the hook about that just because it seems more ridiculous now than it did even when it was said. I think that should be conjured back up and brought back up and remind you that, hey, there was a time not all that long ago that not nearly as many people were believing believing in Georgia as seem to be believing in them now and not letting these Georgia players forget about that. Somebody on this staff doing that. I think that's probably a pretty appropriate task as you get ready for Saturday. Now, beyond that, I think there's also another level of motivation that, that Georgia might have in a spot like this because when you think about a guy like Will Muschamp let's face it college coaches college players all these people that we see on our tv screens or we see you know 150 yards away from us down there in the football field these are still human beings they may seem like avatars on a screen but the fact is they are still flesh and blood and human beings and they have you know good days and bad days and they have good feelings and bad feelings and everything else just like we do all the time you don't think that Will Muschamp's a little bit extra motivated on Saturday? You don't think going back to Columbia means a little more to him than maybe some other game might on this schedule? And for a guy like Muschamp, who I would say is really good at devising a defensive game plan of knowing exactly how you can put yourself in the best position to stop the opponent that you're playing, he does that for Georgia every single Saturday, of course. But you don't think he's a little extra motivated to do that this particular Saturday, knowing this is the school that hired him as head coach and then fired him and Obviously, you're a South Carolina fan. You would say that firing was justified. But if you're the guy getting fired, you never feel like that's justified. You never feel like your side of the story was fully understood and appreciated. That's just human nature. We can all put ourselves in a similar situation, even if we've never been a head coach in the SEC. So here's my guess. Whether the Georgia players use the Takeo Spikes statement as motivation or not, a guy like Will Muschamp, I think, probably does have extra motivation for a game like this and you probably get his best effort every single Saturday anyway but you're definitely getting his best effort going into this game against the Gamecocks in Columbia on Saturday in fact on Tuesday Kirby talked more about what a guy like Muschamp the experience that he has what it brings to a program like UGA right now regardless of who the dogs happen to be playing this is Kirby talking about his good friend well it's comforting to have a guy that's been an SEC head coach you know at two places and he's worked all across the SEC uh, including LSU and Auburn so uh, there's a lot of value in that uh, knowledge. He understands um, the seat I'm in. He uh, understands recruiting in this conference. Uh, he's a tremendous asset to our defensive staff. He's a tremendous asset to our special team staff. So it's like having a second head coach, and um, that's that's uh, you know that's what I talk about when I talk about our staff being complete and being one of the best we've assembled. Um, he's a big reason why. So a couple of things on this, then I want to move on. The, the level of happiness that Kirby Smart has with his current staff has to mean something. That if Kirby's this comfortable, it must be good. And obviously the experience that Muschamp brings into a job like this is part of the reason why Kirby currently seems so comfortable with his staff, and I think that's really valuable. I also think when it comes to you know Muschamp being motivated to play his old team or Georgia being motivated because somebody else picked him to lose the game, look, I, I think the I think motivation is a very inexact science. Who knows how much it matters? Who knows if it even works? 
And even in a game like this on Saturday, who knows if Georgia really even needs it? Maybe if Georgia isn't motivated, maybe they still win easily. I totally acknowledge all of that. However, I also want to try to use everything that I can. So I want the best possible game plan I can get. A guy like Muschamp helps you with that. Kirby's own understanding of defense helps you with that too. And in addition to the good, talented players in the right position from an X's and O's standpoint, hey, if I can sprinkle a little motivation on top of that, whether it be reminding you that at one point in time nobody believed in you or whether it be reminding you at one point in time this school on the other side did something bad to you, or I'll take everything I can get, right? It's just sort of all of the above. You want the uh, tactical advantage. You want the motivational edge. You want everything you can get at your disposal because you're going on the road in the SEC on Saturday. It's a chance for Georgia once again to show how good it truly is. And my guess is Georgia will pull out all of the available stops to make sure that's exactly what happens. My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. And happy to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945 for our first and 15, dognation.com, or on the Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all those video platforms, Radio Noon, Athens Sports Radio 96, The Ref, and for the way, I look over my shoulder. We have a vertical, for those of you who don't listen, don't watch the show, we have a vertical screen that kind of sits in the corner of our studio. Um, and uh, it's got, a, there you go. Yeah, there, there you go. A, a nice look there at uh, Will Muschamp. <laughs> we were talking about Muschamp. I don't know why this makes me laugh, but uh, but Muschamp kind of in the uh, vertical screen taking center stage here, going back against his old school there on Saturday, and Kirby saying some nice things there about him on Tuesday. The point is we're having a great time, radio, video, and happy to report things seem to be good on the podcast front there as well. What is today, Thursday? That means we've had three consecutive days of no issues in the podcast. For now, I think we're going to declare victory and move on that the Apple podcast issue has been rectified, and we are now full go across all platforms, which is great. We certainly appreciate uh, all the folks who've kind of helped us with all of this, and we've had a lot of folks behind the scenes. We're working on that. The big tech platforms coming to find out they were actually a little bit helpful too, which is always a little bit of a surprise, but nonetheless, in this case, that was the case, and so... We are now moving forward on that. And a big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. They are your source for Georgia divorce. And that's not nearly as fun as talking about college football or talking about how you beat South Carolina. That's obviously a very different kind of conversation. But here's the thing. While we deal with mostly fun stuff on this show, we also acknowledge that for you driving around, doing what you're doing, you have a real life that is ongoing at the same time as the fun conversation about college football and the Georgia Bulldogs is ongoing. And if you find yourself where the reality of your situation includes a looming divorce, the only thing I can say is, is that process can be made, I guess, easier that the result can certainly be made better if you'll trust my friends at Meriwether and Tharp to be the advocate that walks with you through all of this. Sometimes it's just sort of nice to sort of tell your story. When you have that free initial consultation with one of those Meriwether and Tharp attorneys, you can tell them your story. And then after hearing your story and listening to the challenges that you're facing, they're going to start talking about the law. And the law is something that you can leverage to your benefit. It can help you with your finances. It can help you with your relationship with your children. It can set you up for a much happier tomorrow than the current present that you might be going through. So as heartily as I know how to, my recommendation is for you to reach out. Go to the website, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. When you get there, you're going to see a bunch of free resources, blog posts, podcasts, things like that. All of this is designed to give you information that's usable. And I would say 
Use that information to ask good questions when you have that free initial consultation with one of their attorneys. And that way, when you make the decision to hire Meriwether and Tharp, you're going to know that you made the right decision for you. So find them online, theatlantadivorceteam.com, theatlantadivorceteam.com. You can check out our friends at Meriwether and Tharp there. All right, I got a crazy story to tell you in a moment. But first, let me kind of... uh, build to it by saying let's go around the doghouse here presented by serve pro we'll also get terrence edwards coming up in a moment too but here around the doghouse presented by serve pro i want to talk to you about brock bowers for a moment and here's the thing that i believe i think it has been great to watch this georgia offense over the course of the last couple of weeks as connor riley and i talked about yesterday as a fan of this team and also somebody who sort of talks about him for a living the version of the georgia offense we've seen the last couple of games is kind of an offense a few years ago that I didn't think we'd ever quite say, right? That, that Georgia was really struggling in its sort of biggest games when it comes to scoring points. And that seems like such a distant memory now because of the fact that they just have been really humming. The Sanford game you don't care much about, but the Oregon game scoring 49 points there, that's a big message of just how good that Georgia can be offensively. But I think there is still another gear this group can find. I don't mean scoring 50 points instead of 40 points necessarily, I just mean there are things that I would love to see Georgia better leverage as the year goes on. Some of that's running game, and we've talked more about that in in the past, and we'll do more of that probably in the future. But something else that's important to me is I still think that when Georgia really needs to move the chains in a game that's close, in a game that matters late in the year, while Georgia has kind of used a lot of different guys very well thus far, I still think this team's most potent pass catcher is still Brock Bowers. And when it really needs to move the chains, Bowers is going to be the guy who needs to get it. And so for that reason, I'm sort of hopeful that Bowers kind of gets off in a big way against South Carolina on Saturday. That, you know, you don't want to be nitpicky too much or too, you know, I guess, uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, discriminating in terms of how you evaluate the Georgia offense. Moving the football, scoring points should just be enough in its own regard. But I would like to see Bowers get going a little more on Saturday. Now, to the credit of Brock he spoke to the reporters last night after George practice and the one thing he says is even though last year he was the guy leading the way 13 touchdowns more than uh, 13 receiving touchdowns 14 total touchdowns uh, more than 800 yards receiving even though he was kind of the focal point of this George offense a year ago for now he's kind of enjoying watching the way that George is utilizing all the weapons in this passing attack right now this is what Brock Bauer said about that after the game last uh, I should say after yeah, practice yeah. last night sorry I, I like where we're at, just uh, being able to distribute the ball to, like, all the dudes on our offense. Um, there's just so many good dudes, like, just good playmakers, like Ladd, A.D., Kenny, Kendall, all, all them. It's, it's good to have all them. Even if I think that Bowers is still the top playmaker on this team, what he says is true. Gosh, the wealth of weapons that Georgia has at his disposal right now is pretty amazing. And the fact that Bowers is enjoying watching all those guys thrive as much as we are probably says something pretty good about him, too. Also, in the depth of this Georgia tight end room right now, where you know Bowers was the guy last year that was doing big things for UGA, but this offseason we've talked about, hey, the emergence of a guy like Darnell Washington now back fully healthy, the arrival of an incoming freshman like Oscar Dell, the return to football for a guy like Eric Gilbert, and on and on you could go with that. Not only is Brock liking the wealth of playmakers that Georgia's utilizing thus far this season, He also likes the depth that exists around him at tight end, Darnell Washington included, who's already had a pretty big year, and the other guys there as well. Here's more from Brock Bowers. I think Times has been playing uh, pretty good. Darnell, like on film, you can see he's playing physical, and I feel like I'm trying to do my part. And whenever uh, 
uh, Oscar and AG get out there, they've been they've been doing their thing too, knowing their assignment and just and everyone else who gets out there is just kind of doing their thing. So listen, the words that Bowers uses there makes him a perfect fit for what Georgia seems to be about. The same way that last year, guys like Jordan Davis were all about the team and not individual glory. Like you don't hear any part of Brock Bowers in what he says there or kind of the vibe that he gives off. It's like, hey, where are my touches? Where's my individual glory? I have a chance to be a top 10 pick in a couple of years in the NFL draft, but I need the, I need the catches right now to justify that position then. You don't really seem to get any of that from Brock here right now, which I think is a testament to what he's all about. But I still think he is what he revealed himself to be a year ago. And I think eventually, as good as Ladd has been, as good as Kenny McIntosh has been, as good when healthy as A.D. Mitchell has been, and on and on you can go, I do think eventually Brock Bowers is still going to be that guy for Georgia. So kind of getting him off in a little bit bigger way than they have thus far. On the list of things I'd like to see on Saturday, I'll admit, that's one of the things on my list there on that. That is around the doghouse, and it's presented today by our friends at ServePro. Now, i got to tell you a quick question here. So we talk a lot about you know sponsors on the show and things like that. Well, in this particular case, uh, ServePro is a sponsor that we are using right now. And a lot of times when I'm sort of telling the story of ServePro during the show, I always think in my mind of, gosh, if you fa- found yourself sort of facing some sort of cleanup issue, whether it be because of fire, water damage, or something like that, Boy, what a mess that would be. Well, guess what? We now know all too well how much of a mess that is. So on Saturday, when I was in Athens, we were getting ready for Kroger kickoff. Uh, Michael Carvel, our producer, came to our Atlanta area studio, what we call our Dog Nation World Headquarters studio. And being here came upon a mess. Let me show you. I think we have some video of this we can see. So this is in our building here. This is actually behind-the-scenes footage of what it looks like with the floor being ripped up. The serve pro folks having to uh, do some big work here because we had a pipe break. And listen, I'm not smart. I don't know how pipes break or what caused it to. Uh, but you see going all the way into our studio and that door right there is the Dog Nation studio. For those of you watching on a video, that room right there is where I ate my lunch every single day. And uh, uh, this was just a big mess. And the folks from Serve Pro really did come here. Had a chance to meet a lot of those guys. They are super guys. Uh, a lot of them big dog fans there as well. Uh, and good folks who've done great work for us and really and truly you know we talk about that need for a for a big cleanup after water damage we had a lot of water damage in our office over the weekend just came up out of nowhere and the first call we made was to our friends at serve pro so they've been here they've been doing that work uh we're gonna get it all put back together just as good as new like it never happened and we'll keep you updated on the uh obviously the 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 work here on this but on Saturday, we kind of bumped into a pretty big mess, and it's in the process of being cleaned up right now because of our friends at Serve Pro. So trust them to do for you what they've done for us. You can find them online, servepro.com, servepro.com. That's S-E-R-V. So if you have an issue related to fire damage or water damage, something like that, trust Serve Pro for more on that. That's servepro.com. S-E-R-V is how that is spelled. All right, it's great to have you here on Dog Nation Daily here today. Before we're done, I think that Nick Saban might be on tilt just a little bit. I think he might be getting a little bit shook right now. I don't know if people still say shook, but I feel like he might still be a little shook. Um, Maybe the pressure of the moment getting to him just a little bit. He had a rant last night that I think was unintentionally revealing of maybe something that he's a little bit worried about. We'll tell you what that is here before we're done on today's show. But for now, dogs in South Carolina on Saturday. What to expect from the Georgia offense. Trying to stop Spencer Rattler. And that Gamecock attack there as well. 
Let's cover it all with a guy who knows this opponent very well. It is Terrence Edwards here uh, as a part of a Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com Insider. So let's say hello to Terrence Edwards, uh, Marlowe's Tavern Insider Update. I'm going to ask him in a moment how he feels and how he's ready to uh, pounce on his good friend Takeo Spikes and the opinion that he expressed back in the summer. We'll ask Terrence more about that in a moment. Before that, though, Terrence, I want your uh, uh, opinion on this because obviously as a, a great pass catcher yourself, your opinion carries a lot of weight on this. Even though he hasn't had the big numbers as of yet, I still think that Brock Bowers is the most effective pass catching weapon that Georgia has. And if it ever does play a close game, they'll need Bowers to have a big game to win the closest and most important games that Georgia's going to play before this season is done. Based on what you've seen for uh, two weeks where other playmakers are really emerging, do you still think what I'm saying is true, or do you think this really can be a little bit more of a, an ensemble cast here this season? No, I agree with you. I, I, I still think Brock is the most dangerous weapon that we have offensively. Uh, he's just a problem for a uh, defensively. Uh, but I just think now that when you are the guy, when everyone knows that you're the best player, they're going to try to do something to take you away and force the offense to do something else. And I think that's what happened uh, last Saturday. I mean, you got 15 guys catching passes, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, when the rubber meets the road and we need a play, we're going to go to Brock. They're going to figure out a way to get Brock in a situation where he's not going to get double team. He's going to be in a favorable uh, matchup where he's going to win. So I'm not too much worried about Brock and his numbers, but his impact on the team is more than him just catching yeah. passes. It's also blocking, also doing uh, a lot of the little things that stats and numbers don't show. For some context here, he has five catches thus far this season. Last year, he had six in the Clemson game alone. So thus far this season, he's been used a little bit less than he had been used through two games a year ago. And I want to ask you a question, Terrence, and I'm honestly curious. I don't have a, a, an agenda behind this. I'm curious. So if we would say that Bowers is the, the, the best pass-catching target for Georgia, do you think they need to make a concerted effort to throw to it more so that when when they really do need him later on in the year, they're, he's a little bit more in rhythm, a little bit more in sync, or does that not matter right now? In other words, should Georgia try to devise a way to get him more involved in this game on Saturday, regardless of how easy the final result ends up being? I do. I think you have to, to keep him engaged. You have to keep him uh, in the game plan, knowing that these are plays that are designed for me. Even if the ball does not come to him, he knows these are plays that are designed for him to, to get the football. So um, Brock does not seem like a, a me guy. Brock definitely seems like a team guy. And you just allude to the stats from last year. I mean, let's, let's be honest. How many people outside of the Georgia circles really knew about yeah. Brock Bowers? So the game plans was not to stop Brock Bowers last year because he was an unknown. Now he's a known commodity, and the whole world believes He's the best tight end in college football. So as a defense, you have to take away something. Like, you got to go into a game plan thinking we have to take Brock away and let these other receivers beat you. But now we're showing that we have capable guys out on the perimeter that can beat you if, if given the opportunity. So I just think when, you know, in big games, Brock is going to be there. They're going to get him 
uh, opportunity to make plays. So I'm not too worried about after game two that his numbers are not what we probably predicted, but his impact on the game is more than his numbers shows. No, I think that's exactly right. Let's preview South Carolina here for a moment. And we had some fun with your good friend before the show as we kind of got going here today when it comes to what he said back in the summer, Takeo Spikes and the SEC Network kind of calling for that upset victory over uh, Georgia for South Carolina there on Saturday. And I'm hoping that you'll kind of help us uh, remind Takeo of what he said after this game is all said and done. I know you guys – uh, like a lot of former players do, have those group texts fired up on a Saturday, and so uh, hopefully you'll say, you'll 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 tell Takia we said hello uh, if this thing goes the way we think it probably will and should coming up on Saturday afternoon. Oh, it's definitely will will go down in a group text. So, <laughs> uh, Father Dog Nation, know that Takia and myself and my brother uh, all grew up together in Washington County, played uh, football together since youth football, and another uh, thing that you probably didn't know, BA. Uh, George Foster and and Takiyo are second cousins. How about so, that? Uh, he, he's going to be triple team <laughs> and probably <laughs> a quadruple team throughout this whole process because uh, you know we all know that George is the better team. They have to go and prove it and, and have to win the game before I start firing off. Uh, but you know it, we will have some fun with our good friend Takiyo when we come out victorious Saturday. So, in all seriousness, how good do you think Spencer Rattler is? Because I think at times at Oklahoma, he probably saw showed some good things. And I think there were some Oklahoma fans that after he got benched in favor of Caleb Williams, you know, Williams actually had some struggles last year at times. And I think there were some Oklahoma fans who were like, maybe we should go back to Spencer Rattler here. I don't think he played very well against Georgia State. I think he actually played better on the road last Saturday against Arkansas. I, I kind of joked with our, our friend Connor Raleigh yesterday that I think at one point in time that maybe people were overrating Spencer Rattler. And now there's so much backlash to that that maybe now he may actually be a little bit underrated. How good, as, as a guy who evaluates the game closely, how good do you think Spencer Rattler is? Spencer Rattler is a very good quarterback. He, he has all the tools to be uh, one of the better quarterbacks in the league. I'm not going to really disrespect the man because his numbers have, haven't proved that. Uh, also, the talent around you matters. Um, I haven't really watched South Carolina the first two weeks to kind of see what their offensive line looked like. What I've been reading is their offensive line is, is not that great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, all that plays into account. I mean, you could be the best quarterback, but if your supporting cast is not there, it's not going to make you look as better uh, that you should be. So um, I respect his game. I respect his talent. I mean, he, he was a top ten pick coming out last year if he was able to come out in the draft and things just didn't go his way, but that doesn't negate that he's a very talented quarterback and, and can make all the throws if uh, he has the appropriate time to read defenses. So I'm not going to disrespect him and, and call him and, and say he's not a good quarterback. I respect him, but I just don't know if the supporting cast is there for him to really showcase his talent. Let me ask you a question, and this has been a little bit of a topic here this week, and I feel the need to, I guess, sort of caveat this with, like, I am thrilled that Georgia, speaking as a fan here, of course, I am thrilled that Georgia has been as effective offensively as it's been this year. You know, the 49 points, seven consecutive touchdown drives to begin the game against Oregon, like, that's a real statement to me, Terrence. And yet, you know, nothing's ever perfect, I don't guess, and there are some questions that are being asked right now about Georgia's ability to run the football. And against South Carolina on Saturday, 
this is a team that gave up a bunch of rushing yards uh, to Arkansas this past week and are worst in the SEC right now when it comes to defending the run. How much do you think any of this matters right now for Georgia? Is moving the football enough, no matter how you do it? Is the game changed now where you know Georgia doesn't really need the same rushing yards it used to mean anymore? Or is there a sense in which you would like to see Georgia go out there and you know, make it look easy on the ground against a foe like South Carolina who is shown to be vulnerable when it comes to stopping that. How much does that matter to you going into Saturday? It matters because I'm a, I believe, you know, you, you have to run the ball to be uh, an effective offense. I know Georgia fans have really complained about, you know, we're not throwing the football enough and we're not looking explosive as the Alabamas or the Ohio States. That's the reason we're not getting these top recruits. But you still got to be able to line the ball up and, and be able to put your, your your knee on someone's throat in a four-minute offense. And a four-minute offense is last fourth quarter, four minutes. Can you run the ball to get there enough first down to run out the clock? And if you're not able to do, do that in a close game, um, then I think we have an issue. So I, I really like for us to get back to us running the ball better. You don't have to run it more, just run it better. Uh, but – I think the extension of the running games is why Kenny McIntosh have, has so many receiving yards and, and catches because they're using his pass-catching abilities as, as an extension of the running game. Right now, Georgia is 10th in the SEC when it comes to rushing yards per game at 129.5 through two games. We'll see how much that changes there on Saturday. Terrence, I want to talk to you in a moment about the challenge of being in a hostile stadium. Before that, let me remind you of something that's not hostile at all. It's in fact, it's going to make you feel right at home. That's the ribs and whiskey event ongoing right now at your local Marlowe's Tavern, including the one right there in your neighborhood. If you don't know what this is, there's a special menu collection of barbecue items, including some delicious ribs. Uh, there are uh, obviously like uh, the bourbon, bourbon bread pudding dessert. So all kinds of really cool special menu items that you can be a part of here. And really some of the best craft cocktails that have ever been created because you've got the uh, folks there chef inspired food and the uh, great bartenders and mixologists there at uh, marlowe's who are taking great care to make sure all of this enjoyable including the fried macaroni and cheese and cool stuff like that so this is one of my favorite promotions that marlowe's tavern runs throughout the uh, year and it's ongoing between now and october 3rd so go to the tavern right there in your neighborhood and enjoy the ribs and whiskey event or check out marlowe's tavern.com for more on this to find a tavern near you but uh, you owe it yourself to enjoy this time of year heading towards the fall some delicious cocktails some great barbecue some wonderful ribs and some really really cool side items to go with that the bourbon bread uh, bread pudding for dessert all of that at marlowe's tavern so make sure you enjoy all of that so terrence i would say that williams bryce stadium one of the challenging venues in the sec it's a place you know very well too but it's also a situation where We've actually seen Georgia play really well away from home the last couple of years. And I think there's, you know, just a level of comfort this team seems to have with that. So let me ask you kind of a two-part question here. A, what is it really like being in a stadium where everybody hates you and everybody's booing you, or at least the, the overwhelming majority of fans kind of are? And how is it that Georgia has learned to thrive in these kind of environments as well as it has in these last few years? I think Kirby put them in, in situations – uh, at practice that, that just make games easier for one. And then I think for two, it's the way that the Georgia fans traveled where it's, yes, it's an away game. It's going to be more fans, but there are, you can look up and see a large amount of red and black in the stands. And that gives you comfort as, as well. 
So uh, I think, too, is the, the situation Kirby's put them in. I can remember playing against uh, South Carolina tennis team. We could go in the stadium, and they would put the speakers on and just make it loud and make the make it hard for us to hear so that once we get into the game, that will not be a problem for us. So I think Kirby has done the exact same thing. And, and then just the Georgia fans showing up and, and, and cheering on their team makes it a lot easier. No, I think that's uh, exactly right and pretty well said. I think that's going to be a lot of fun to be able to see. Terrence, something else that's going to be able to be fun to see is seeing you as a part of our Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UJ Bookstore after the game there on Saturday. We'll connect with you, and we'll get your thoughts there on the game. You've been great through two weeks. Fans are loving everything you're bringing to the table, and we'll look forward to seeing you again there for that there as well. Thank you. I look forward to it, and I really appreciate the opportunity, and I love doing it. All right, Terrence, we'll talk to you then. Let me also remind you there, too, that while we'll do the Dog Nation postgame show presented by the UGA Bookstore uh, from Columbia on Saturday, don't forget the following Saturday back at the UGA Bookstore again. They'll have a big, big collection of autograph guests leading into next Saturday's game against Kent State, too, including former dog Richard LeCount on hand next Saturday. That's before the uh, Kent State game. So we'll see Terrence this week, and I'll connect with you from Columbia, and then we'll all be back in Athens the Saturday after that, including some great autograph guests right there at the UGA Bookstore. So we'll see you then for all of that. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Always a lot going on around Dog Nation, and we love having Terrence Edwards a part of that Dog Nation post-game show presented by the UGA Bookstore, so we're really excited about all of that and excited as well about cruising around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Listen, I love cruising around the SEC with Royal, Royal Caribbean, but what I love the most is actually cruising with Royal Caribbean, like we're going to be doing on Independence of the Seas coming up in April. If you go to royaldogs.com, you can find out more about that. April 24th to the 28th, an incredible time enjoying all that Independence of the Seas has to offer. But in addition to that, also enjoying lots of really cool Dog Nation-themed events there as well. One of the things that we did last spring when we were on board, I think it's one of the fun things we've done really, is the special NFL draft party we had that night. Obviously, a lot of dogs were honored there that evening. Doing that again this year, another crop of dogs going the first round. That is going to be an incredible experience. And we had some great special cocktail parties and just sort of uh, game rewatches, all these kind of fun things. So in addition to the cool stuff that you do on any Royal Caribbean cruise that you're going on, you can also do this as well with Dog Nation, which makes it even more fun. And don't forget, if you'll book your cruise travel between now and September 30th, you can also get a $100 onboard credit to use there too. So that's a good incentive to, to get going on this now and also to take advantage of a great way to even have an even better experience on board with that onboard credit. Make sure you do that. So the website to go to royaldogs.com, that's royaldogs.com, or give them a call, 770-718-9147. That's 770-718-9147. I was actually having a conversation this morning with somebody about a uh, Royal Caribbean cruise that I've got coming up in December. So I wanted to uh, get some of that squared away, and that's all really fun. And uh, Jessica Slater can help, help you do the same thing. You give her a call or you go to her website we've set up that helps connect you with her. She'll give you all the details you need for a great Royal Caribbean cruise anytime or the one we're taking coming up in um, in October. Or, or I should say October. It's not October. It's April. The one we're going to take coming up in April there as well. All right, cruise around the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean right now. And I want to talk a little bit about what the SEC told Georgia yesterday. Tennessee there too, because they had a non-conference series coming up with Oklahoma. Georgia was supposed to go to Norman next year. 
and the SEC has asked Georgia to cancel that series because of the complications caused with the fact that eventually Oklahoma is going to be in the SEC. And the part of this I want to focus in on for a moment with is the fact that Georgia replaced Oklahoma with Ball State. So it's not like the Georgia home schedule was made worse by losing Oklahoma because the Georgia-Oklahoma game next year is going to be an away game anyway. But when you add Ball Slate, or I should say Ball State, to a slate of games that already wasn't very attractive, it's kind of brought back to mind the Georgia fan concern about the nature of the home schedule for next year. Ole Miss is coming to town. Uh, but, you know, for the most part, this is not a Georgia schedule that looks particularly attractive at home. And it feels like you've been saying that for quite some time. And I do think this is a little bit of a problem. Now, I also think that Georgia has tried to do things to, to fix this. I don't blame Georgia for its home schedule necessarily, but that doesn't mean it's not a problem. I mean, Georgia had the big non-conference series and in future years, you presumably will still have some of and you would have had more of these big non-conference games coming in but for now it sort of is what it is and what it is not very good now the silver lining to some of this is this which is that when you look at a lot of the home games in the past that were kind of also thought not to be great games necessarily some of them have turned out to actually be better than on paper they you kind of thought they would be for instance in 2017 i remember hearing a lot of folks saying Oh, this home slate doesn't look particularly good, but come to find out Georgia itself was really, really good. And a game like Mississippi State, for instance, that initially you sort of thought wouldn't have any juice whatsoever. Well, as it turns out, you probably had more juice on that than you realized. There was a lot of energy that day for Dan Mullen's team coming in. It was a blowout win for Georgia, but the game actually felt a little bit bigger than I think most folks in the offseason probably thought it was going to be. If that was true then, this was definitely true a year ago when games like Arkansas and Kentucky were at least good enough to warrant ESPN game day showing up in Athens, two consecutive Saturdays, two consecutive home games, I should say. So, you know, I, I realized that that the home slate doesn't look great for Georgia next year, and there have been a lot of times lately when we kind of said that, but also the home games, college football has a way of surprising you, and some of these games might end up feeling bigger than they sort of looked to be now. But Beyond all of that, I'll, I'll totally acknowledge that I do think that Georgia and everybody else has got to take some steps towards making the home schedule and for the season ticket buyer, these are some of your you know deepest, most entrenched fans, to make their experience more enjoyable and more satisfying than maybe it currently is right now. And obviously this sort of speaks to the Georgia-Florida game, the cocktail party, a tradition that I love. And I'm going to try to do everything I can to sort of vouch for and fight for and see to the extent that I'm even capable of doing that, but to see if you can keep that in place. But to the fan who says, hey, B.A., I need this game to be home and home because my current season ticket's just not worth what I'm paying for it, that's an argument I'm actually pretty sympathetic to. I'm sort of more sympathetic to the fan's argument for moving the Georgia-Florida game than I am to Kirby's argument. Not to say that I you know, wouldn't want to make Kirby smart you know, as happy as I guess I could. And if he wants the game that, um, you know, in Athens, it's worth, you know, considering. But the argument that carries more weight for me is that ticket buying fan who says, hey, my home slate, I'm not getting my money's worth for this season ticket. The donation's expensive. The, the, the travel to get to Athens for some people is really expensive. I just need better games at home. You know, I do kind of get that. I do. And while I'm not in favor of changing the cocktail party, that is an argument that would definitely cause me to consider that opinion, and it's one of the reasons why I believe sooner rather than later, or at least sometime in the future, you may see Georgia-Florida play in a home-and-home -home situation because you've got to have 
a little more substantial home schedule than the one it looks like on paper you're playing next year. I guess my final point on this is, and we'll move on to something different. I think college football is in kind of a weird spot right now. And there are obviously big changes looming. Oklahoma and Texas are eventually joining the SEC. But right now, we don't even know specifically what year that's going to be. Maybe it happens very, very soon. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, We don't quite know that yet. We're sort of in a holding pattern until they come into the league because we don't know what the future schedule is going to look like. And, I mean, there's a lot of change on the horizon in the SEC, and we're just sort of in the waiting period before that change actually takes shape. You have college football at large that's also kind of dealing with a similar type of thing where we now know the playoff is going to expand. It could have been expanding a lot sooner had the Big Ten and the other leagues not sort of originally dragged their feet about – about agreeing to a playoff expansion proposal and whether or not you think it's a good thing or not the playoffs about to get bigger we know it's going to but for now we're just sort of in the holding pattern sort of waiting for that to take place i think you've got to be really really careful if you're in charge of the sec or in charge of the sport you know one of the key decision makers for the sport that these next few years for college football don't start to feel a little bit like a lame duck period where you're kind of at the end of the old system and not quite at the forefront yet of the new system. I think you've got to be really careful that you don't spend a lot of time just sort of waiting for change to occur, that you still, I guess, make the most of the era in which you're currently in, the 14 playoff, the 12-team SEC. This all can't just be, you know, lame duck waiting for the for the next shoe to drop, or I should say 14-team, yeah, a 14-team SEC. This all can't just be sort of you know lame duck waiting for all that to take place, that you can't just stay in a holding patterned waiting room for a couple of years, however long that's going to take. And that's something I think for, for you know the league and college football at large to kind of consider. Moving on here for a moment, you know, we've talked a lot about some of the bigger games on the slate for Saturday. I want to give you a couple of thoughts here for a moment about some of the more under the radar games to look for on Saturday. And there's obviously, you know, not a this is not a very sexy week necessarily, but that doesn't mean there aren't some games worth paying attention to. I think Ole Miss going to Georgia Tech on Saturday is a little bit interesting. This is an Ole Miss team that's still trying to figure out its quarterback situation. We're going to maybe talk more about this tomorrow as it relates to Georgia. But, you know, you've got like Jackson Dart, who's been given some time, Luke Altmyer that's been given some time on the road in Atlanta on Saturday. Nobody would expect Tech to play Ole Miss closely, but it is a chance to watch and see how close Ole Miss is to kind of figuring out what it wants to be at quarterback and the assumption here is is that Jackson Dart the guy that transferred from USC that he just may not be the guy that that Luke Altmyer, the, the the player that's been on the roster uh, a recruit out of Starkville ironically enough that he actually may be the guy for Ole Miss their quarterback but the game on Saturday is is a little bit of an indication about that Vanderbilt plays Northern Illinois and I know this is silly but I'm actually kind of curious about this game because Vanderbilt won twice to begin the year, got blew, blown out last week with uh, Sam Hartman back at quarterback for Wake Forest. The MAC this year is terrible, just terrible. It's probably the worst group of five league, I believe. Um, this is the kind of game that Vanderbilt should have a chance to win. It's in uh, uh, Northern Illinois, but it's it's the it's the game that that a team like Vanderbilt might have a chance to win here because once they get to SEC play, they're not winning anything. But is Vanderbilt just a team? that was capable of beating up on a Hawaii team that's one of the worst in the entire country, or are they a little bit better here in year two for Clark Lee? I think that's, I think that's worth, worth observing here. And uh, seeing them uh, against Northern Illinois on Saturday might tell you something. We'll jokingly call Alabama-Louisiana uh, Monroe a little bit of a, a, of a revenge game, going back to 2007 when Louisiana Monroe beat Nick Saban his first season, so that's worth paying attention to. 
And then finally, let me give you this. Actually, let me give you a couple things. Akron goes to Tennessee on Saturday. Now, Akron is awful, 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 awful. I told you the Mac's terrible this year, and Akron may be the worst team in the Mac. Y'all, Tennessee may be on to something with its wide receivers. Cedric Tillman, I think, arguably one of the best receivers in the entire league. I think Brew McCoy is coming on here a little bit too. I think that Tennessee is, while not necessarily, I would say, a threat to even play Georgia close in Athens in November, I think that Tennessee is on its way to being a real team. And I think the wide receiver position is, I think, what's kind of leading the way there on that. That what Tennessee has this year is kind of what, you know, I think people thought like the Alabama guys were going to be, you know, Burton and, and, and whatnot. When actually, I mean, the best tandem of receivers in the SEC right now uh, probably probably is a lot, more, a lot more likely to come from Knoxville than it is from Tuscaloosa. So in a game in which Tennessee can probably name its score, watch those Vols wide receivers here a little bit right now. That is a pretty good group. Obviously, Josh Heupel is a very offensive-minded coach. But Tennessee kind of has something going on at the receiver position right now, and those guys should probably put up pretty big stats there on Saturday. Florida could be in a little bit of a bounce-back situation at home against South Florida. If you're a point spread player, if you're a gambler, Florida's a really big favorite against South Florida. This is a South Florida team that I haven't thought looked very good to begin the year here right now. So um, uh, keep that in mind uh, for Florida as a pretty big favorite at home against the Bulls there on Saturday night. And uh, we'll make that cruiser on the SEC courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Also, let me give a shout out here as well to our friends at the Atlanta Braves. You know, the Braves have got a great homestand coming up finishing up uh in uh, san francisco on their way back home you got the nationals coming to town you get the phillies coming into town and it's the drive for five for the braves it is a chance for a fifth consecutive national league east pennant but how you play it here at home over the course of these next few games are going to determine a lot of that i believe what the deficit's back to a half game now um but the, these upcoming home games going to be a big push for the Braves towards the postseason and specifically beating the Mets for that division here once again. So the stand taking place the 16th to the 21st, and you've got the Los Bravos night coming up, which is going to have a pregame, postgame party in the plaza. There's going to be a special country flag presentation uh, and a whole lot going on with that. And also don't forget, I'm really excited about Tuesday, September 20th. That's the Ron Washington bobblehead night. It's the windmill wash bobblehead where the arm kind of moves like the third base coach waving in runners coming home. That's going to be uh, a really fun. And then, of course, you've got also some big home games coming up against the Mets there as well, September 30th through October 2nd. So you've got a lot coming up with this homestand. Then looking ahead towards the end of the month with the Mets coming to town on uh, September 30th through October 2nd. So go to Braves.com slash tickets for more on that. That's braves.com slash tickets for more on that. All right, Georgia fans, I think you're going to enjoy this for a second. I think that Nick Saban might be a little on tilt. I think he might be a little edgy right now. And if you're a UGA fan, I think this might make you smile. So yesterday, I'm going to give you the question. I'm going to give you Nick Saban's answer. And as I've told you before, you can sort of set your watch to things like this, that Alabama didn't play very well and now coming back home, Nick Saban trying to focus, motivate his team, using the media to do that. What you're about to hear is a little bit of a question and a little bit of an answer from Saban that feels like the thing you've heard a thousand times before of, well, you guys in the media may not respect Louisiana Monroe, but trust me when I tell you these guys here, we're giving our full attention over to all of them. Um, it's the kind of thing you've heard before. But it does take a little bit of a twist after that. But let me first let you hear this first clip. Here's Nick Saban being asked about how you evaluate your team given the opponent that you're playing on Saturday. Take a listen to this. 
how hard is it to gauge offensive growth when the quality of opponent can vary? You know, Utah State, Texas, and now ULM this week. Well, but, you know, that's your opinion on quality of opponent, all right? It's not mine. I, I respect all the people that we play, and I respect winning and what you have to do to win, all right? So, and every player should not be focused on who they're playing against relative to their motivation, but every player should want to be the best player they can be. So why would it ma matter whether we're playing Texas or playing somebody else? That's how you get good. That's how you develop the right habits. That's how you're consistent. You know, I've told you guys more than once. When I was in the NFL, I watched players. I didn't know who they were playing against. I was just evaluating them. So that means when we play a team that's not as good as somebody else, you don't play as good. So you let the opponent determine how you play. You let the score determine how you play. You, you, you determine where you're playing. All right, that determines how you play. So when you get evaluated, what's somebody think? Oh, this guy plays pretty good at home. I don't think we'll draft him. Does that make sense? So you've heard Nick Saban say things like that a thousand times. Oh, we're playing an opponent. You guys in the media don't respect this team, but we respect them, and we're going to play well no matter who we play against, on and on and on and on. But Saban wasn't done. Now, let me give you a little bit of a theory I have, and this is true for all coaches, that if you let them go on long enough and you let them kind of take a line of thought and commentary where they want to take it, they will eventually reveal to you what they are worried about that the things they bring up unsolicited are the things they're actually worried about. And they may start off with an agenda, trying to answer a question a certain kind of way, but eventually you let them go on long enough and they'll reveal something to you. And Nick Saban went on in this particular clip a little over a minute, and eventually he kind of brought something up that wasn't related to the question at all. And I think it's pretty revealing. And if you're a UGA fan, I think you might have kind of reason to smile about this. So let me remind you, the question was about evaluating your team playing a team like Louisiana Monroe after having played a Power 5 team the week before. And somehow, some way, Nick Saban kind of veers that in the direction of only winning by a field goal when they were predicted to win by 20 points against Texas. Now, let me let you hear this. Does it sound like Nick Saban's a little on edge, a little shook? about the fact that maybe his team last week didn't show out the way they were supposed to, and much like Saban does, looking for someone to blame for why it all went that way. Here's a very interesting version of a Nick Saban right now that might be a little bit on tilt for the moment. This is Nick. So I respect what it takes to win. I, I, didn't I say this on Monday? What, what does what you're favored in a game mean when you're favored by 20 points and you lose, like two teams did this week? What does it mean? It means the people favoring you either don't know what you're talking about or the players playing got affected by that. Neither one of them are good. So the 20-point number there is pretty interesting because that's what Alabama was favored against Texas. And much like Nick Saban's always coming up with excuses for when the team doesn't win, in this particular case, I guess now he's taking that to excuses for when the team doesn't cover. In other words, it's not Alabama's fault they didn't win by 20 points. It's the media's fault or Vegas's fault or my bookie's fault or whoever else's fault for uh, for, for making them a 20-point favorite to begin with. That sounds like a Saban that's a little bit on edge right now. I, I, I just think you can't help but notice that. That's a Saban right there that seems like he's a little on tilt, a little edgy with the way his team's playing. And what happened last Saturday against uh, Texas? 
I do think that bothers him a little bit, especially when you have a fourth and one late in the game and you can't get it. This is why, to me, the rushing yards matter for Georgia, why eventually Georgia's going to need to run it a little bit better than they have. It's because last week, Nick Saban kind of showed you, Alabama kind of showed you what happens when you're a soft, finesse football team. When you're a soft, finesse football team, which I don't think Georgia is, but when you are, right now I believe Alabama, that is exactly what they are. When you're a soft, finesse football team, eventually easy wins become closer than they're supposed to be because you can't convert fourth and one. You can't get off. You know, you can't uh, move the chains and, and, and get on down the field. You just can't do it. I think Nick Saban a little bothered by that right now and the whole thing about 20 points and, well, we didn't lose. You know, Texas A&M just said them they lost. Uh, I think Nick Saban's a little bothered by all that right now, which I think is uh, pretty interesting to uh, see. Hey, let me also give you another shout-out to some of our good friends who've been with us for a long time here in our program. I'm talking about our friends at the UG Alumni Association. And as the dogs kind of go into SEC play, it's a great time right now to make sure you're connected to the UG Alumni Association because I know you love supporting your alma mater and you love the work that the UG Alumni Association is doing to do all of that there as well. All season long, the website alumni.uga.edu can help make sure you get the most out of uh, game day. You can stay up to date with what's happening uh, and take advantage of everything that the worldwide sort of, you know, uh, uh, relationship that UGA grads have, no matter where they are, can have with their alma mater. That's what the UGA uh, Alumni Network is all about, and you can be a part of that there as well. You find a game watching party near you, uh, the best place to call the dogs when you're not able to be there in Athens there on game day. And you can also have all kinds of uh, updated information to just make sure you know exactly all the really cool thing that's uh, going on. Also, some really special video content and things like that. All of that available uh, right there at the website. Stay close to the dogs. Stay connected uh, to uh, UGA grads all across the world, all across the country at the website alumni.uga.edu that's alumni.uga.edu because with the alumni association you never bark alone and by the way speaking of uh, Texas A&M losing as a big favorite on Saturday that's also the subject of our golden shoe here today Uh, some pretty funny stuff I've got some really funny ones to show you tomorrow there as well Uh, this is a funny one for today there too so uh, Chris shares this with me a uh, restaurant in Austin Texas making fun of the uh, making fun of the Aggies for losing, saying using kind of the popular online meme that she's a 10 but lose to Appalachian State at home. So uh, Texas, they may have lost Alabama, but at least they didn't lose to Appalachian State, they're saying, and they're making fun of Texas A&M for all of that. So, Chris, thank you for sharing that. We'll make you the golden shoe winner for today. And um, I have a very funny collection of golden shoes that we'll do for you tomorrow there too. How about Gator Hater Updater, 4,998 days since Florida's won a national championship. We love making fun of those lousy, stinking Gators for that. And we love reminding them that 44 days from right now, dogs back in Jacksonville looking to beat them up again. I'm also reminding them today by wearing the Eddie t-shirt. And you can get an Eddie t-shirt there yourself by going to uh, dognation.com right there at the top of the page. Click that link. Get in there and get your own Eddie t-shirt. In fact, you've got even more stuff coming very, very soon. So uh, check all of that out online at dognation.com. And, of course, we will see you tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews Podcast Cooldown. Uh, read your comments here on Twitter at Dog Nation Daily or in the comments section there at dognation.com. Read this from Brian Garrett, who writes in on Twitter. Say, B.A., I thought you might find this interesting. I was playing around with the 21 uh, compared to 22 stats, meaning 2021 versus 22, 22 stats, uh, to get an idea about how this year's dominance compares to last year's. And he says, um, obviously, the uh, defensive dominance. He says, three stats seem to surface. Time of possession uh, for 2022 compared to 2021. 
So in 2022, you had 35 minutes, 53 seconds of time of possession compared to the 2021 where you have 30.33. This is number of individual offensive plays per game by the opponent. You had 56 in 2022 compared to 65 in 21. And the number of individual offensive plays by UGA per game, 69 thus far this year compared to 63 last year. He says better defense by having an offense that controls the ball more often, maybe. Ultimately, it's very early in the season, so these stats may just get even uh may even out after 13 14 or hopefully 15 games but i thought that was interesting some of this might also be a relic of so many teams in 2021 trying to score just once in the fourth quarter and using every down possible there was a lot of that last year and i think to brian's point saturday is going to be kind of an interesting game because this will be our first chance to see georgia playing a team that it did play a year ago and so you know georgia won i forget what the final score final margin of victory was i know south Carolina scored 13 points in that game so it's a slightly different comparison because that was a home game. This is an away game. But if you really do want to kind of keep that measurement going of just how much does Georgia compare to the national championship team a year ago, the South Carolina game is kind of an interesting data point in that because this is a team that Georgia did play last season. And things change slightly, but it doesn't change so wildly. You can't make some evaluation related to that. I guess I was kind of also thinking about this too in terms of you know, right now, Stetson Bennett's getting a lot of praise, and I think justifiably so. I think he's had a really good start to his season. But consider this for a moment. Let's say that that praise is real. Let's say that's accurate. Let's say that's, you know, you know, warranted praise. Well, if that be the case, then eventually you could see Georgia actually start to distance itself a little bit from what it did in 21. Because whether the, you know, the defense is as good as it was last year or not, I don't think we're going to see any kind of dramatic fall off. I think the Oregon game – is indication that's probably true and I think this Saturday probably is another you know data point in that direction there as well so imagine if you have relative to the current competition in college football a similar level of defensive performance but also you know a much better offensive performance especially at the quarterback position well in terms of some of your game-to-game evaluations of Georgia then you might then you might see Georgia start to distance itself even more from the overall playing profile that it put together last season just something to consider and I think it's one of the things that does make the South Carolina game more interesting you know, Georgia gave up 13 a year ago. Do they give up, you know, more or less than that on Saturday? And on and on we can go with all of that. So that should be fun to watch. Thanks for being here for our podcast, Cool Down Today. Y'all check out RS Andrews online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. They'll show up on time. They'll do the work that's promised, the price is promised. You can trust them on that. And I'll see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to talking to you then, everybody.